Lord, Acts chapter 9. Again, if you want to turn there in your notes, uh, if you bought your Bibles, that's awesome. We should be bringing our Bibles, Acts chapter 9, or even your electronic Bible there uh, on your phone. Just don't be checking your email, okay? So uh, last week, we started in Acts 9. We look at verse, looked at verses 1 through 9, and we came back to young Saul, who we were introduced to in Acts chapter 8, who was there when Stephen was being stoned, consenting to his death. And then we saw him going out with just great vigor. Uh, we, we saw the Greek term was like a wild boar to persecute the church. And indeed he was. And he sparked a persecution against the early church that scattered many of the believers that were there in Jerusalem. Uh, we saw from there revival breaking out in Samaria, in Samaria many wonderful things uh, happening uh, down amongst the Samaritans. And then last week we came back to young Saul as we started into Acts 9. And we saw that now he was headed towards Damascus there in Syria to get permission to arrest and to bind up any Christians that had fled there to take them back to Jerusalem to, you know, try them, to imprison them, uh, to maybe in some cases even take their lives. But praise God, listen, Jesus had other plans because as Saul was on his way to Damascus, The Lord met him on the way. The Lord lit him up, and absolutely we saw Saul falling to his face, confessing Jesus as Lord and asking Jesus what he would have him to do. And the Lord telling him to go into the city where he would be told what to do next. This morning we pick it up here, and we see a certain disciple named Ananias, the Lord coming to him in vision and telling him to go to the house of Judas where Saul of Tarsus was to lay hands on him so his vision that he had lost when the Lord appeared to him would be restored to him. And we're going to talk about the great faith and courage Ananias would need to say, here I am, Lord, when the Lord appeared to him, and for him to act on what God was calling him to do. And we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the need for courage today. We need to be a courageous people in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news is God wants to bestow that upon us. And God has given us promise upon promise that he wants us to hang our hats on as we step out of faith as he's directing and wanting to lead us even in this day that we are in today. We're also going to see Saul getting healed, filled with the Holy Spirit, water baptized, and then Saul going out and preaching God's word to the people that he had come out from. We're going to glean a lot from all of those things. And then finally we're going to see Saul... uh, you know, and as he's preaching to the folks that he has come out from to be a follower of Christ, plotting against him, plotting a plan to kill him, but the Lord revealing that to Saul, re- revealing that to the disciples, and God making a way of escape. And it's just wonderful because, again, it's good news for the day that we are living in when we have an enemy that is continually wanting to put forth traps. Our God is greater than him. And again, it's going to be a thing we're going to see in this whole Bible study this morning that our God is working, our God is on the throne to this day. And these are words of encouragement we need today because, listen, there's so many voices out there wanting to say the opposite. And we want to know who we are in the Lord, who our Lord is, and the promises we have in Him. So <clears throat> this morning what we're going to do is, we're, I'm not going to read through the whole text uh, in one setting, but we're going to take uh, a few verses at a time, make our way down, encourage you to follow along. Uh, with a lot of the supporting verses. I'll read through a lot of those. Some of those I'll just refer to, but they're there for your learning and and just uh, to help you as we're having a Bible study here this morning. So let's pick it up in verse 10 and read down through verse 12. It says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, And inquire of the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Now again, let's remember what's going on. We've already kind of reestablished it this morning. The church is in the midst of being heavily persecuted. Again, people are being driven from their homes. Men and women are being imprisoned. We see that it's following them to the places that they are going. And it'd be very easy for them, even in the midst of some revivals being sparked and so forth, 
it'd be very easy for those in the church to step back and think this is all that's going on, just us being persecuted. But praise God, we see in this text, in the midst of their persecution and seeing what was before them, God was working a great work in other places. God was going before them. Because again, this Saul, who was leading up this persecution, was getting met by the Lord on the road to Damascus. I'm sure that was an answer to many of their prayers. Again, Ananias, this certain disciple, was being given a vision by God to go and to lay hands on Saul to receive his sight, to help commission him in the call God had placed on him. We'll see here in a minute. Again, Judas was being obedient in letting Saul come into his home. We don't know a lot about Judas, but he was available for Saul of Tarsus to come. And Saul of Tarsus as well was having a vision that Ananias would come and lay hands upon him. But again, it would be very easy for those that were under persecution to think this is all that's happening, we're being persecuted. But the good news is things were happening that they weren't aware of. And we want to take this to heart. Because it's very easy for us just to hang our hat on what we see that is going on before us and thinking that's all that's going on. It's easy for us just to step back and if you just, you know, watch news networks and so forth and think this is all that's going on. And we got to remember that our God is on the throne and God is working all over the place. He's working in ways that we don't even realize He is absolutely going before us and he is working out a plan in this day that we are living in that's going to end with the Lord coming back and establishing a millennial kingdom here on earth that is going to be glorious. Let's remember that this morning. Let's remember Proverbs 15.5. It says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and on the good. It's easy to get disheartened in the day that we are living in because There's a lot of things that are going on that seem blatantly evil in front of us and the enemy of our soul wants us to think, well, God's not aware of that or God can't do anything about that. God's aware of all of these things. He absolutely is. And God is working on our behalf and God is working to his glory. Jesus said in John 5, 17, my father has been working unto now and I have been working God is on the throne God is always work is all is also working he's working right now and he's working in ways that we're aware of and hear this this morning he's working in ways that we're unaware of but one thing we need to rejoice in a verse that we look at often Romans eight twenty eight. we know all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose and let me ask you this morning Have you called upon the name of Jesus Christ? Can you say amen to that this morning? Then listen, you are called of God. And God wants us to rejoice and rest in knowing that again, his eyes are in every place. There's nothing going on that he's not aware of. That he is working to this day. And praise God, he's working all things together for good for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ who have put our faith and our trust in him. And so remember that. Remember that through the course of the day when certain things come across the, you know, at the newswire or things that you're confronted with, when the enemy wants to try to discourage you, what he wants to, you know, try to convince you that you don't have a future and hope, what he wants to convince you that God's not aware. Absolutely, God is aware. And listen, many of the things going on in the world today, we've been seeing in our study on Wednesday night. The Lord said these things would unfold, and they're unfolding the way that he said that he would. Now, we don't know when the Lord's coming back. We don't know where we are in the timeline, but boy, it seems we're getting a lot closer to his return, and I know this for sure, we're a week closer than we were last Sunday when we gathered together. So let's be encouraged this morning that, listen, God is in control, and God is working, and God has given assurance that he's working all things together for our good. Because again, the church here could step back and just think I've been driven out of my home. My cousin was arrested. Saul's going to get, you know what, more authority to persecute us more. And meanwhile, Jesus was working. Jesus was confronting Saul. Jesus was raising up Ananias and Judas. The Lord was about to take Saul, who was such an opponent of the Christianity and the things of God, and use him as a mighty chosen weapon to bring many, 
many, many to the Lord Jesus Christ. So who knows what God's up to this morning? But let's be in prayer. Who knows who's going to have a Saul of Tarsus experience this week? I pray that everyone in Washington and everyone in Sacramento would have one of those experiences this week. So let's be on our knees and let's be praying people and a people resting in the Lord. Now listen, the Lord comes to Ananias, and I love it. He's a disciple of the Lord, a follower of the Lord, and we see that that's true. When the Lord comes to, an, him, comes to him in a vision and he says, I love this, here I am, Lord. And I just put in my notes, oh Lord, let that be us. Let us be a people that would say, here I am, Lord, when the Lord comes a knocking. And listen, for that to be the case, first of all, we need to be a people who know the voice of the Lord, who recognize the voice of the Lord. And for that to be the case, we have to get familiar with his voice. A great example of this is found back in 1 Samuel. Young Samuel has been born. He would end up being a great prophet and a great judge there in Israel. As a young boy, he was committed to the temple for training and so forth. And he is a young man who is learning to discern, discern the voice of the Lord. And we read there in 1 Samuel 3 that it's, you know, at late at night he's in bed and he hears someone calling his name. So he runs into the other room of Eli the high priest and he says, hey, did you call me? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he goes back to bed and he hears once again Samuel. He goes into the, you know, at the room of the high priest. Hey, did you call me? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Now, when my kids do that a second time, that's when, you know, it, you know if you come in again, you're going to get it. Eli didn't do that. Uh, Samuel went back to bed, and then we read here in 1 Samuel 3, 8, and the Lord called Samuel again a third time, so he rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for did you call me? Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls on you, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as the other time, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. It's very similar to what Ananias is saying. He's saying again, here I am, Lord. Samuel is saying, speak for your servant hears. I want that to be me. I want that to be you. And for that to be the case, first and foremost, we need to get familiar with the voice of the Lord. So we know when the Lord's speaking and we know when there's another voice trying to pose as the Lord that we would say, no, that's not my Lord. But remember, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And listen, if you want to get more familiar with the voice of the Lord, then we need to get more familiar with the word of God. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice again, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. As our holy God moved upon holy men, and they pen his holy word. We need to start by getting familiar with God's word. And I'll tell you this morning, the more by his grace and mercy, we heed his general word, the more that we will be able to hear his specific word for us. A lot of people want a specific word, but they don't want anything to do with God's general word. They don't want to open up the word and see what God has called us all to do as Christians. They just say, just give me a specific, Lord. Tell me where I'm supposed to move. And God's saying, listen, you need to move today closer to me. You need to abide in me. Let's start there Let's start heeding his general word, and I guarantee you, we're going to get more specifics via the work of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about this recently, how we looked at several examples in the scripture where the Lord will come, and he'll put an oppression on our heart, he'll lay things on our heart, and then he'll always bring a confirmation, and again, those words are always lined up in a conjunction and never contradict the word of God. So again, we need to be a people that know the voice of the Lord, and then by God's grace, let's ask him to help us to be a people that immediately respond to the voice of the Lord. Jesus told a parable about two sons, and the father tells them both to go out to the field, you know, the next day, and the one son says, he's gonna go, the next day comes, and he doesn't go. The other son says, he ain't gonna go, and then the next day, he does go. 
And obviously the one that went was the one that was obedient to the father. But I look at that and I say, I don't want to be either one of those sons. I want to say yes to the Lord and then I want to go. I want to do both of those things. And I think for that to be the case, we have to have a preset heart that already is saying, if the Lord tells me to go, I am going to go. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. I don't want to question it. I want to say yes to the Lord. I think about another young man named Daniel. And we're real familiar with Daniel and the lion's dens and so forth. Many of the, you know, visions that God gave him concerning end times. But right there in the first chapter of Daniel, as he is being taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar there in Babylon, he's one of the young men selected for really brainwashing. You know, he's a talented young man, he's very learned, and they said, let's get our grips on these young guys and we'll teach them the way of the Babylonians, hoping that others will follow them in their new compromise. And yet it says, Daniel said in his heart beforehand not to eat of any of the king's delicacies or drink of the wine, which would have went against the Levitical law, would have been sin for him under the old covenant. And beforehand, he said in his heart, no matter what, I'm not going to sin against God. I'm going to say yes to the Lord. And when he got there and those things were offered, again, he was already set in his heart. I'm going to say yes to the Lord and no to the enemy. And God enabled him to say no to those things while saying yes to God. And we know how the account goes. God blessed him in that, again, preset heart, setting in his heart ahead of time. I'm going to say yes to the Lord and no to the wicked one. God wants us to be in that place. Because let me tell you, if we're wavering, if we're in the place, well, you know, if God calls, I might say yes, and I might say no. If temptation comes, and I might say yes, I I might say no. That's the picture of a double-minded man. And a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Oh, Lord, help us, God, to be a people that have a preset heart that is already saying, I will say yes to the Lord no matter where he calls me, no matter what he calls me to do, because I know that's the very best place to be in God's perfect will that he has for me. Can we say amen to that this morning? Now listen, for Ananias, Ananias says, here I am, Lord. And then as God begins to tell Ananias what he has for him to do, this would take great faith and great courage. Again, he says, now a certain disciple named, uh, now a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And notice, so the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire to the house of Judas. That's easy. He's in Damascus. I don't know what street he lives on, but Judas is on Straight Street. It's obviously, uh, you know, at a street he's familiar with. He doesn't say, can I Google map that, Lord? He knows where this is at. That's an easy thing to do. I'll just go to this guy's house. And then he tacks on, though. There's someone there, a certain fellow named Saul of Tarsus. Now listen, we're going to see in the next text him saying, I've heard about this guy. And I've heard about how much damage he's done to the body of Christ. And this would be like him saying, you know what, uh, go to the house really of uh, uh, someone who could harm you legally. You know, it would almost be like a, a, a Jew back in, in uh, you know, the time of World War II, and the Lord's saying, go over here to the house of a, of a guy named Hitler. Or someone back in Esther, uh, a Jew being, saying, being told, go to the house of Haman, a man trying to, you know, bring forth a genocide against the Jews. And he says, you're going to go lay hands on him and pray for him that he'll receive his sight. And I'm, I'm surprised, and it's kind of implied in the next text here, that Ananias doesn't say, say what? You want me to go and do this? Yeah, go to Judah's house. That's easy to do. But now you want me to go lay hands on the Saul of Tarsus. Now, we're going to get to it here in a second. Ananias does what God calls him to do. And it's not said here, but we can read and we can see that it would be a great step of faith and a great step of courage for him to do what God wants him to do. And listen, in the day that we are living in, We need to be a people more than ever that are moving by faith and moving with courage, trusting in the Lord and what he's called us to do. Because if you're going to be a believer today, a follower of Christ that wants to walk in obedience to the Lord, you're going to get some pushback. Is anyone noticing that right now? You're going to get called out. You might get called some names. There might be some opposition that comes against you. But listen to what the Lord told Joshua, Joshua 9, 
when the Lord was calling them to go in and take the promised land, he said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And hear this this morning. That is a promise for us. When the Lord commands us, when the Lord directs us, we know that we can be strong and we'll be strong in the Lord as we say yes. And we can be of good courage. We need not fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power and a love and a sound mind. We need not be dismayed. Listen, the enemy is in the business of, you know, at fear-mongering and trying to get us to be dismayed. But we don't need to be any of those things. Why? Because God is with us wherever we go. And God wants us to know that this morning and get that deep in our heart. He said that he's with us to the end of the age. Do you believe that this morning? Lord, help us to believe it more. So notice verse 13 and 14. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Now listen, Ananias isn't resisting the Lord here. Ananias is being honest with the Lord here. And praise God, he invites us to be honest with him. Isaiah 1.18, the Lord says, Come now, let us reason together. And you see throughout the scripture, men and women of God at times reasoning with the Lord. And while they're reasoning with the Lord, we see God being merciful to them, understanding and knowing we are but dust and we are in great need of him. I think of accounts like Abraham when he heard that Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed because of their gross immorality and because of their sin. And Abraham's, uh, you know, what nephew was there, Lot, who he cared deeply about. And remember, he reasoned with the Lord, Lord, if there's 50 righteous, will you destroy the city? Well, not if there's 50. And he whittled the Lord all the way down to 10, and yet there was only a handful, and he should have kept that prayer going. But listen, the thing we see him doing there is reasoning with the Lord. I think about Moses when God put the call on him to go to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. And Moses stepped back and said, I don't, I'm, I'm not good with words, Lord. And the Lord said, well, Aaron can be your mouthpiece and so forth. He reasons with the Lord. I think about even Isaiah. He's caught up into glory. And he says to God, I'm a man of unclean lips when God says, you know, I'm going to send you. So the Lord touches his lips with a coal. And we see men reasoning with God as they're being honest with God. And the Lord, again, being gracious and merciful to them. And Ananias is here reasoning with the Lord. I've heard about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints. And now he even has a more authority from the high priest to bind all who call upon your name. So he's being honest with the Lord. He's bringing this concern before the Lord. And listen, he's also casting his care upon the Lord. God would want Ananias to do this. God would want Ananias to take this fear, to take this worry, and give it to the Lord. God didn't want Ananias to say, yes, Lord, and then go walking out without fear. He wanted Ananias to say, yes, Lord, and then to lay this burden, to lay this fear down at his feet. And that's what he's doing here. He's praying about the matter. He's doing what 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 tells us to do. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Notice here, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And this is something God wants us to be doing. Because as he says, I've heard how, about this man and how much harm he's done to the saints in Jerusalem. Listen, we look around and we see there's much harm in this life. We know this is all fall related. This all goes back to when man sinned in the garden. When God told man, if he eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, surely you're going to die. And we, I have the text there, I'm not going to read through all of it, but there in your notes in Genesis 3 through 17, we see some of the results of man sinning. We see that a curse came upon this earth. We know thorns and thistle came. He said, you're going to earn your keep by the sweat of your brow. And then he says, you were made from the dust, and to the dust you're going to return. It's a fallen world, and a fallen world has a lot of harm in it. It's a fallen state. There's certain things that just happen because it's a fallen world whether sickness and disease and accidents and so forth, it's the product of it being a fallen world. It's the product of man telling God, I'm going to be my own God. I'm going my own way. I'm going to listen to the serpent. I'm not listening to you. Also, listen, much harm in the world because of man's sinful state. 
A lot of times people will say, listen, if there's a God, why even is there human trafficking in the world if there's a loving God? Because man went his own way. Man said, I am going to be my own God. I don't need you, God. I'm going to listen to the serpent. He said, if I eat of this tree, I will be like God. I don't need you. And God told them beforehand, if you eat of this tree, you're going to die. Physical death's going to set in. You're going to have spiritual death. You'll be separated from me and everything will change. And we are in a time right now where this continues to be the case. But praise God, listen, despite us, And despite man's rebellion after man's sin, what did God do in his love? He gave the promise of the Savior that would come immediately after man's sin. He could have left man in that place, but he said a Savior is going to come through the seed of the woman. And though the serpent will bruise his heel, that Savior is going to crush his head. And that Savior's name is Jesus Christ. And I hope you know him this morning. But listen, even as followers of Christ, even as Christians... There's times in this fallen world, this world that's under a curse, where we're going to be affected by it, where there's going to be much harm, and some of it might come our way, but praise God, we can reason with our Lord. Praise God, we can cast those cares upon God. Praise God, we can rest in the fact, knowing that whatever comes my way as a follower of Christ, God is going to use it for His glory and God is going to use it for my good. Again, going back up there to 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares upon him. Notice, for he cares upon you. It's one thing if someone says, hey, don't worry about it. When I really should worry about it. And they're just saying this. It's another thing when God says, cast your cares upon me. Knowing I care for you. That's a big difference, right? Ananias has this worry but he's bringing it to the Lord, and God cared about Ananias. God was going to look out for Ananias. God was going to go before Ananias. And God wants us to know his promises today. God wants his truth in our hearts today to give us faith, to give us courage in this day that we are living in to live for him boldly. We need to be living boldly for the Lord. Walking in love, but proclaiming truth and being light. A city set upon a hill in a time of great darkness. The prophet Isaiah, as the Lord moved upon him, wrote, and this is wonderful. These are the types of promises we need to get into our hearts in the midst of a fallen world. He says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Listen, God has created us, and in Christ Jesus, we're a new creation in Christ. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power and love of sound mind. And indeed, he has redeemed us. He's purchased us out of slavery through his shed blood, the slavery of sin. And now, again, we are new in the Lord. He says, I have called you by name, and you are mine. Again, are you in Christ today? Can you say amen to that? Then listen, he has called you by name, and you belong to him. You're the Lord's property. Is that not good news? He says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor flame, nor shall the flame scorch you. These are promises for us as followers of the Lord. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We have promises like Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Listen, we are wonderfully blessed today in Christ Jesus, and we have a wonderful, wonderful future and hope in the Lord that God wants us to rejoice in. Praise God. Listen, this isn't it. We're blessed while we're here. Look around us this morning. We're a blessed people, are we not? And yet, listen, our future and our hope is even greater than our present state. The Lord said in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. Has your heart been troubled? Well, that's not of the Lord. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Again, the Lord says, I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. I'm going to come back for you. We should rejoice in that. The Bible says there's a crown for those that love his appearing. And you can have a balanced walk of loving the appearing of the Lord, the coming of the Lord for his church, while in this life walking on the joy of the Lord, being a light 
being absolutely someone that is thankful and grateful, that is appreciating life that God has given to us, while at the same time knowing I got a great future and a hope and my eyes are on the Lord. Listen, that's a pick-me-up in the midst of a world that is just tanking, that desperately needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, the good news is, the good news is this promise here in John 14, 1 through 3, it's for us to know the Lord And it's also for all who would call upon the Lord. Because we read in verse 4, Thomas saying, and where, or Jesus saying again, and where I go you know and the way you know. And then Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? And Jesus lays it out right here. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. No one gets to the Father except through him, but praise God, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will get to the father now one other note here again we see Ananias saying to the Lord I've heard about you know what all the things this guy has done Um, you know what there was a lot of chatter about Saul it was something where again the church was talking about it and it probably come to, to, to a point where when Saul's name was mentioned there was a certain amount of dread that came to their hearts it's obviously apparent that was the case and here's Ananias a faithful disciple to the Lord, and yet he has a concern here. People talk about this guy nonstop. It's so important, though, when there's certain things that, talk, that are talked about nonstop, you know anything like that that's talked about nonstop recently in the news, any fill in the blank, what's talked about nonstop, all kinds of stuff, right? And some of it, you know, it, just, just, it can bring a dread to you when, it's, when, when you know, people start talking about this stuff nonstop. And I'm not going to mention those things because I don't want to go on a rant this morning. You can fill in the blank there. But listen, let's remember again who our God is. That God's working, that God's moving, that God has put us here for a time such as this. We're not here by mistake in this time. And let's also remember, listen, the mighty Saul was nothing before God. God just laid out mighty Saul on the road to Damascus. The Lord put this dude right on his back and took his eyesight away from him basically said, you are like an ant. Why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you trying to come against me? You want to see a little bit of my power? Later on, Paul said the light was as bright as the sun. God put him down. And let's remember that in the midst of what seems to be a lot of individuals abusing power and twisting laws and so forth. Let's remember what God told Daniel in Daniel 4.35. He says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Our God is greater. He absolutely is. And we need to remember that. Men are just made of dust. They desperately need of Christ. And even those with the most power here on earth, they are powerless in comparison to our God. Now there's certain things that unfold that again, happen according to man's fall, and oftentimes God even giving a rebellious people over to a rebellious leader. But ultimately, Jesus is our king. Ultimately, we can trust in him. Ultimately, we know that he is going before us, and we also need to remember the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman, they availeth much. Now notice verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine, to bear my name before Gentiles and kings, the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias cast his cares upon the Lord, and the Lord gives him reassurance. He says, it's going to be okay. He's already said this man's in prayer, this man's getting a vision that you're coming, and now you need to know that I've chosen him. He's going to be used mightily in my hand. He's going to take the gospel not out to the Gentiles and the Jews, but to the kings of the earth. And by the way, I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer for my name's sake. He gives assurance to Ananias as he's honest with God and he casts his cares upon God. Listen, be honest with the Lord. Cast your cares upon the Lord to receive that assurance from his word and the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's be found doing that day after day after day. Also notice here, listen. God begins to speak of how mightily he would use Saul, and indeed he would. He'd use this man to write two-thirds of the New Testament outside of the Gospels. 
And make no mistake, God would be able to use Saul greatly, not because of his personal attributes. And he had many of them. It wasn't one of those things where everyone said, boy, if that Saul gets, if that Saul gets saved, it's a game changer. Everyone's going to get born again. It wasn't that. And be careful with that. Be careful, you know, when you say, oh boy, if that person got saved, they'll turn the world upside down. Listen, any attributes they have is given by God in the first place. So let's give God the glory. And let's also distinguish between carnal giftings and the work of the holy spirit because no one gets saved through the earthly talents of men they get saved through the holy spirit of god working through them and saul would be greatly used because god would break him god would wound him because he would suffer much and that would cause saul to greatly rely not in his own personal attributes but greatly rely on the power of god and paul talks about this often there in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he said, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. So he says, unless I, you know, to keep me from getting a big head because of all the revelations God's giving to me. He talks about being caught up in the third heaven. Again, the Holy Spirit's moving upon him to pin scripture. He says, but to keep me from being, again, puffed up and exalted above measure, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Hear this this morning, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast of my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, the more we're dependent upon him, the more we learn to die to ourself, the more the Lord will work through our lives. In 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul said, I die daily. John 3.30, John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. And Jesus said in Luke 9.23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is a call for us to learn to die to ourselves, not to put our faith in us. Now listen, if God's given us gifts, let's be confident using those gifts, but also let's put our confidence in him. And let's not make the mistake, again, of glorifying men. Oh, boy, if that guy, that guy got saved. You know usually what happens when those celebrities and people get saved? They're usually a flash in the pan. Oh, boy, look, at they got saved. And in time, it doesn't always happen, but the pattern generally is they begin to drift back to the things of the world, and then they become kind of this lukewarmy Christian. We really don't know who they are or what they represent, and it seems like it leads a lot of people astray more than anything else. Let's not make the mistake, again, even putting that on people. Let's be a, be, be a people that, again, put our reliance upon the Lord and who he is. Verse 17, and Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Ananias took a great step of faith. Again, here I am, Lord, and then he cast his cares upon the Lord, and then he got up and he obeyed the Lord. And no doubt this step of faith pleased the Lord. And God blesses those steps of faith. Hebrews eleven six. without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And notice here, he's a rewarder of those who dil- diligently seek him. You want to be rewarded by God? Can we say amen to that? I like rewards. Do you like rewards? Then by faith, let's diligently seek him. Let's say yes to the Lord. Because oftentimes we say no thinking I'll have more reward in saying no. And that's a lie. Rewards found when we say yes. Again, rewards according to his will. And then I love it because Ananias comes in. He lays hands on him. And I love this. He says, Brother Saul. This is an amazing thing. Ananias had a fear of Saul. Everyone had been talking about Saul. Again, there was probably more than one prayer Lord, bring lightning from heaven down on Saul. But as Ananias has prayed about this and prayed about Saul, Ananias has had his heart softened towards Saul. It's a wonderful thing. Listen, if you're finding your heart getting hardened to non-believers, 
If you're getting, finding your heart being hardened to certain people in, you know, political high places, if you're getting your heart hardened to even these ignorant youth that are, you know, at rioting in our streets and so forth, you need to bring that before the Lord. We need to separate sin from sinners, and we need to ask God to keep us, keep our hearts soft to, to, towards all, that uh, if, if they were to call upon Christ, and we pray that they would, and they showed up here, immediately we could say, Brother Saul, welcome. Welcome. We embrace you. And listen, if God had forgiven Ananias, and now God had forgiven Saul, who would be Ananias to address him? in any other way. Do you know there's no second tier Christians? You're either saved or you're not. You're either a brother and sister in the Lord, you're not. You're either covered by grace and the shed blood of the Lord or not. And that's the thing that saves us, not anything that we do. Brother Saul. And then again, he lays hands on him. He prays for him and prays God. Listen, he prays he would receive his sight and he also prays that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. These are things we should be praying for as well. We've talked much about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our study of Acts. It's a reminder to us again today, we want to be asking daily for empowerment from upon high. And we also want to be a people praying for healing when there's sickness that comes up. Verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Listen, they prayed then and there. God healed them then and there. And sometimes that's the case. At other times, we have to wait for his perfect timing. But listen, let's always pray. And if the healing's not there, then let's just learn to wait, knowing God's timing is perfect, and God will strengthen his saints in no matter what comes their way. Also notice here, he believed, then he got baptized. And that's the biblical order. And that's come up in Acts now a couple times the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, he has the gospel preached to him. He says, hey, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And Saul has come to this place of believing in all his heart that Jesus is Lord. And so now he's getting water baptized as that outward proclamation of his inward faith in the Lord. Verse 19, it says, so when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he, that he is the Son of God. And so notice here, remember he hadn't eaten in three days, he hadn't drinking in three days. God's concerned about our physical needs as well. He gets up and he eats, and absolutely the Lord provides for him. Let's thank him for those physical needs. And then we see him getting spiritual strength as he enters into fellowship with the disciples there at Damascus. And it's so important that we continue fellowshipping together. It's so important that we're doing what we're doing right now out here this morning. And I'll tell you, as a church, we're going to fight tooth and nail to fellowship every single Sunday, every single Wednesday night, and every single small group. We're not going to roll over on it. It is a call of God, and we need to be fellowshipping together. Listen, aren't you encouraged when you come out and see your brothers and sisters in the Lord and so forth? I mean, yeah, we want to do that with wisdom. We want to do that in a respectful manner. We've been doing that. But we need to continue on in it. And again, he spent some days with the disciples there at Damascus, and no doubt he was built up. And then immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he was son of God. And listen, this is where evangelism starts. These were Saul's people who he had come out of. And so they're the first people he goes back to to share Jesus with. He's going to go back to these people who, again, were his people. And he's going, no doubt, to tell them what Jesus had done and that Jesus was the Christ. And no doubt he preached, as Paul always did, from the Scriptures. And he would do this through the Old Testament. No doubt he took him to verses like Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, or you shall call him God. And no doubt he declared that Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. And no doubt he took him to verses like Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Again, these scriptures written 700 years before Christ came, talking about the Messiah going to the cross. They were all familiar with the cross. That didn't happen in some corner somewhere. 
And then scriptures like Psalm 16:10, again, written hundreds of years earlier about the Messiah. You shall not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. No doubt he talked to them about the person of Christ, the words of Christ, the ministry of Christ. The Christ came through a virgin. The Christ was sinless, that he was the Son of God, that he went to the cross to die for our sins, and three days later he rose from the grave and defeated sin, death, and Satan, and whoever calls on his name will be saved. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be sharing that gospel this day. Notice 21. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who... Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? And he has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? So they're like, wait, what? This is the guy that came to destroy Christians, and now he's preaching Christ? What in the world is going on here? And I just love my Lord because this is the kind of thing that my Lord loves to do. He loves to take the most evil individuals, convict them, get them on their knees, save them, and then send them out to represent them. Do you know anyone like that? I see a whole garden full of folks like that. Our God is good. He is good. And it is true, John three sixteen, that he loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And listen, that include even a man like Saul who was greatly persecuting the church, dragging Christians off and imprisoning them, consenting to the death of many Christians, having a hand in their murder. And yet God forgave him when he humbled his heart, when he called out to Christ, and there is no sin that our God will not forgive. Listen, the fence didn't fall in. People say, if, the, if I come in, the walls will fall in. Listen, the shake cloth's still up. The fence is still up. If you don't know him, it is time to call upon Christ. He went to the cross to save you. And don't listen to anything else. That's a lie. Whoever calls on his name will be saved. Whoever would humble the heart, confess their sin and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. No longer do I want to be my own Lord. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. He will meet you where you're at even right now. Verse 22. We're almost done here. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelled in Damascus, proving that he was the Christ. I love this. Listen, Saul was in some flash in the pan. He got saved and he began to grow. And listen, he grew and he grew and he grew until the day the Lord took him home. I want to have that kind of walk with the Lord. I pray for God's grace that I can. I want you to have that walk with the Lord. Where we're growing and growing and growing in the Lord versus being sparklers for Jesus. Where they're lit. Oh boy, look at them go. And a few minutes later they fizzle out. God has not only saved us, but he's put a high call on our life to walk with him, to be used by him, to be strengthened by him. Are you growing in the Lord? Have you grown stagnant? If you've grown stagnant, it's time to get back to that place of growing in the Lord, abiding in Christ, being used by the Lord, discerning his voice and saying, here I am, Lord, I'm ready to go. Listen, our time here is short. And when you stand before God on judgment day, Do you want to come waddling up as some spiritually fat Christian in the spiritual scent that has been sitting around in the church of Laodicea, lukewarm and doing nothing? Or do you want to be that soldier that has walked the road that God has called you to walk over the mountain and through the valley, through the crooked places, but serving him day after day? And so when you get there, you actually know your Lord because you've walked with him and he embraces you. And he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Oh, by the grace of God, I want that to be me, and I want that to be you. Paul would say at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Find there there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only And and not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. And let me tell you this morning, if you've drifted from that race, if you've drifted from that fervent walk with the Lord, get back into the race. Get back to that walk. You could be a million steps away from your Lord. You know how many steps back it takes? One, the humbling of the heart. Here I am, Lord. Pick me up. I'm ready to start using my gifts again. I'm ready to get engaged again. I'm ready to start getting a serious prayer life again. My time's short, and I know I'm here to represent 
you. It says again, he preached and he confounded the Jews, proving that Jesus is the cross, the Christ. Again, he did that through sharing the Old Testament, sharing those verses about Christ. Again, I got another one in Psalm 22 about the Lord being pierced hundreds of years beforehand, proving that Jesus was the Christ of the Old Testament. That's not a hard thing to do. It's easy to do, actually. You know what the hard thing to do is? For men to humble their heart and repent. It's the easiest thing, yet the hardest thing at the same time. Finally, 23. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. Listen, these Jews were gangsters. Paul was one of them before. He was a straight-up gangster going into houses, home invasions, imprisoning people, consenting to their death. Jesus had said to them, these religious Jews, you're of your father the devil. He was a murderer from the start. And here they are plotting. They're plotting to kill Paul. I'm going to tell you, the enemy's plotting. Let's be found praying, amen? And God exposed what they were going to do in the darkness. He's still doing that. Listen, again, we look around the world and we see this beast system coming into form as prophesied in the Bible. And you start talking about it and some people say, conspiracy, conspiracy. No, we'll prophesy peace. Now, we do have peace in the Lord. But we look around and we can discern these things. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he says, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the times. The enemy's working. But listen, in Christ, we can see what's going on. And the enemy was working. And in Christ, listen, they were looking to kill Saul, but the Lord was looking out for Saul. And God showed Saul what was going on. We have a prophetic insight to things going on in the world today called the Scriptures. Isn't that glorious? And we know how things end. Listen, they end well, Christian. They end well. And beautifully, today, things are going well because our God is with us. And He will go before us. And then I love this, because listen, they knew they were plotting to kill Paul, they were watching the gates, and the Christians didn't just roll over and say, oh, let's all go huddle up in a corner, you know, what? all all we can do is sit here and, and huddle up in a corner, oh, what will we do? No, you know what they did? They looked to the Lord, and God gave them something called wisdom and tact and a plan, and God gave them some strategy, and God gave them instruction. You know, God's the giver of all those things. Those aren't inventions by the enemy. Those are gifts from God. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Yeah, we want to have a soft heart, but God wants us to be looking to him for wisdom, for direction, for creativity, for how to continue on with them, even when say others are saying, you can't do this anymore. God always makes a way when we look to him. And they looked to the Lord, and no doubt, God put it on someone's heart. They were probably, you know, praying and praying and praying. Looked over, hey, look at that basket right there. Saul, his name means small in the Greek. People think he was a smaller stature. Look at Saul. Hey, brother Saul, why don't you get in that basket for me for a second? Anyone got any rope over here? Yeah, I got some rope, man. Let me bring out that rope. Huh. Well, listen, if we uh, tie, put him in the basket and tie it and then you know what, you know, I know he's a born-again believer, but maybe a little bit of payback's in order. Let's flop him over the wall and bump, you know. I don't know if it happened like that, but let's lower him down. And they did it, and let's, listen, by God's grace, they outsmarted the enemy. And our God is greater. And we should be of the heart and mind of Christ Jesus. We actually should be absolutely looking to him at every turn. Because in the things God has called us to do, he will always make a way for us to walk in obedience to them. How many good things for us here this morning. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand up and close in prayer here and worship to our God. Well, Lord, indeed, we bless you. We praise you. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for these encouragements, God. We need them. Oh, Lord God, I hope and pray that you have birthed a fresh faith and a fresh courage in our heart to say, here I am, Lord. Lord, to be a people that absolutely walk with you daily. Lord, a people walking in wisdom, 
a people walking in a zeal for you and a people walking in love, God, for the lost, these people who you desperately want to see born again. Help us in that, Lord. And Lord, you know any here today that don't know you, any watching that don't know you. And listen, there's good news. Today's the day of salvation. And the gospel message has been shared in this text multiple times. And I want to tell you today once again that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's not some phrase Pastor Steve's made up. That's Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the Lord will be saved. Is Jesus your Lord? If he has not, repent. Humble your heart before him. Ask the Lord to forgive you and ask him in truth to be the Lord of your life. And he will meet you where you're at right now. He'll wash you. He'll cleanse you. He'll begin a work in you. He'll be faithful to you. We thank you, Lord. Lord, bless us right now as we lift our voices to you. Let us finish well giving you glory. Let's worship our Lord.
Amen. Absolutely. Let's give God praise. Well, I pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus. We have about half an hour to the next service, so you're welcome to, you know, fellowship in a, in a, uh, you know, in a good, godly, respectful manner out here. And God always makes a way, right? And uh, I just pray God blesses you richly today and just shines his face upon you. God bless you.